We are in a series that uh, is just amazing in so many ways. Uh, it's got three words that everything is kind of based on, and I think you guys probably know those words by now, but let me test you. What's the first word? Encounter. What's the next word? Formation. And the third? Mission. That's right. Last week we had a, a guest in and we talked about mission and I was really just stirred up about it. I was talking to him out in the lobby and almost uh, missed the beginning of second service because of it. But uh, we're continuing on with the, the series. Um, but today we're going to look at, uh, I think, an interesting way of looking at formation. And the way we're going to do that is through a take five. Now, if you've never been here when we've done a take five before, it's really simple. Uh, what we've always done in the past is we have pulled five people from the church. Um, they could be leaders or they could be uh, people that just volunteer somewhere, or maybe they're just somebody that attends Journey Church. There's not necessarily a, a, a rule to that, but what is consistent in a take five is you get to see what God is doing and saying to people in the body, because you guys know that God speaks to Pastor Sean. And I'm grateful that he speaks to me, but he doesn't just speak to the leaders in the church. He speaks to anybody that's, that's willing to listen. So a take five gives you an opportunity to hear from uh, people about what God is saying to them. Now, this one is a little bit different. You could call this one a take 10 because it's actually five couples. And the reason it's five couples is because these are five couples that are kind of a cross-section, a sampling of couples that lead groups at Journey Church. So we have a lot of opportunities for you to get involved in groups. And getting involved in groups is a key primary way for you to have formation start happening in your life. So if you're not involved in a group, you should do that. And I took a lot of time last night and I kind of went down through a lot of the groups. I'm not going to do that today. I do want to say this, though. You can get on journeykc.com slash groups and you'll see a lot of the options that we have available that are active right now. You'll also see a lot of real life groups and real life groups are the type of groups that you will get into a community and, and really kind of latch on to those people and do life with them. And you're going to hear some stories this morning of what can happen in a real life group. But we have real life groups that meet all over the place. Uh, we have real life groups that are housed within our 50 plus ministry. Um, that is kind of a unique thing because you get involved in a group there and you have that small community, but then you also have the connection with the rest of the larger group in the 50 plus ministry. In our Journey Youth Ministry, we have something similar, but it's called Tribes there. But I'm, I'm mentioning all this to show you, this is something very active that's happening uh, all through Journey Church because we believe in community and we believe in formation. So let me not take up any more time from our speakers. Uh, we have five couples here today and we're going to start off today with Gary and Kelly Poole. So Gary and Kelly, come on up. All right. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Uh, you know, that was a heck of a worship, wasn't it? My gosh, I tell you what, I, I, uh, I was 
as a tear was accumulating on my right side, this isn't a part of my message, by the way, but I still want to mention it. As a tear was accumulating on my right eye, all of a sudden I had a picture of Jesus and, and, and I was looking at him and I thought, man, what would he be thinking right now? He was well pleased and he had that same tear coming out of his right eye. But anyway, so I just wanted to share that real quick. Um, last night, uh, we had a great uh, message and, and uh, a bunch of speakers here as well. But one thing that I didn't mention to Kelly last night um, was that this particular microphone is a little bit heavier than our spoon that we typically use. for, um, And it's still the same. So I think we need to do some exercises tonight after we uh, adjourn here. Anyway, I'm here to talk about first steps for new believers and foundations for all. And then Kelly's going to come up and, and uh, give us a little bit of a, a message. Um, Really, if I kind of had to give you one sentence regarding first steps for new believers, it's giving new believers the direction and keeping them on their Christian walk. It's kind of had to summarize it. So uh, some of the classes that are included in the um, study, number one uh, is a new life. You have a new life as soon as you uh, become a Christian uh, for salvation. Uh, number two is um, the mind. The mind is a powerful thing, and you have to continue to renew your mind. Um, several verses on that. And then thirdly, um, the body of, of Christ, which is all of us. We all have a role to play. We all have, I don't care what it is, but we all have a role to play for sure. Um, and then third, fourthly, I guess, is how do you continue your walk? How do you keep growing? So those are kind of the, the four little... Um, uh, tidbits, maybe a little bit more uh, fun things about our class. Um, we have had repeats, um, and then we've also had a three-peat, which is kind of what I'm looking forward for the Chiefs here this year. All right, Kevin? All right, Kevin? So, but anyway, um, that being said, uh, we have a video. Who comes to Journey and doesn't get to watch a video? Right? Uh, this is a little uh, older. It's a little antiquated, um, maybe a little choppy at times or um but focus on what he's saying let me kind of set the stage here on the clip it's about a minute and 53 seconds long um we've got two gentlemen they're talking about where does god come from kind of what we're just worshiping right all the different um i was reading the different verbiage and all that but uh, uh lyrics but um where does god come from so we've got two gentlemen that are um, speaking, really, the, the second one to kind of set up the clip is he is answering the questions already be, been asked, and the second one is answering the uh, question. So let's take a roll at the clip real quick. All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays that you're thinking of the wrong God, <laughs> because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in 10 words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. 
So you have time, space, matter created a trinity of trinities there. Just you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for, and the, I, the concept that a, of a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body, well, then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that form by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay, so... Um, That's how I have the answer to that. I, your, your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping. That's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. And that is the God that we study during our first steps for new believers. And now my bride, Kelly, is going to talk about more about foundations. I want to talk to you about a foundational failure, which we are all familiar with, and that is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So we've all seen those pictures where it looks like somebody's holding it up, but regardless of how iconic it is, it is an epic fail when it comes to foundations. They began building the tower in 1173, and it appeared fine when they built the first two stories, but when the third level was added, the structure began to slant, but they didn't notice it was leaning for 12 years. So once they realized it, they tried different solutions to correct it, which were unsuccessful. And the leaning just worsened as every level was added. And eventually it was at risk of collapsing because it was leaning more than five degrees. So architects came in and they determined that the issue was the soil that the tower was built on. So eventually they had to close the tower for 11 years to correct the foundation. Now, Jesus, he also talks about foundations in the Bible with verses I'm sure we're, we're familiar with. But I want to read out of Luke 6, and this is verses 47 to 49. This is Jesus speaking. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Basically, Jesus is telling us that everyone who hears his words and puts them into practice will have a life that stands when troubles come. Now, the challenge for new believers is how do we build that foundation that Jesus is talking about? This is a big book. Where do we start? How do we have this play out in our lives? And those are questions that we should all ask. And that's where our class comes in. So we uh, have a 12-week class. We meet weekly, and we pull the basics out of the Bible. We break them down. We'll teach you how to apply them so you can begin to build that solid foundation to grow from. 
So maybe you're not a new Christian, though. Maybe you've been following the Lord for a couple years, but you're just struggling putting all the pieces together. This class can still be beneficial for you. So I want to circle back to the Tower of Pisa because there are some takeaways that we can learn from it. Uh, if a foundation isn't built right, it's not going to support the building as those levels grow and as it gets taller, but it may not be evident for years. And if that's the case, it can be costly and a huge speed bump to have to go back and rebuild that foundation. Our goal is to help new believers to build a solid base from the start so that they can have this incredible relationship with this amazing God that they talked about on the video. So if this class sounds like something that would help for you, we would love to, to have you and you can sign up. Our next class begins after Easter and you can uh, sign up on journeykc.com, the groups page. Thank you. Uh, and this is Tom and Karen West to share about their groups. Well, good morning, Journey Church. Uh, I'm Karen West. This is Tom. And uh, we lead a multi-generational real-life group full of wonderful people. Uh, and this morning, we're not going to talk about our group. Uh, I felt like God wanted me to talk about hope. So that is what I'm going to talk about. And I'd like you to just repeat that word with me. Can you guys say hope? Thank you. So Romans 12.12 starts with the phrase, be joyful in hope. Being joyful in hope means no matter what's going on around us, we're constantly looking ahead, glad for all God is planning for us. And in fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says God has plans to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Can everyone say hope? Thank you. So my reason and our reason is Jesus. Can you say Jesus? That's right. Jesus is the reason for our hope. So uh, in honor of family weekend, and I'm hoping that there's some kids out there, I wanted to share one of my favorite things, and that's the ABC names of Jesus. So um, kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, can you please stand up? I need your help with this. All right, so when I point to you, kids, uh, Kenny, you're going to have to say it really loud. I only see a few of you out there. Maybe the teenagers could help out, too. Anyone who knows the alphabet could actually help with this. So when I point to you, you're going to say the next letter of the alphabet, and I'm going to say that name of, of Jesus. So Jesus is the reason for our hope. And Jesus, you are Alpha. Beloved Son, Chief Shepherd, Deliverer, Elect of God, Forerunner, God, Holy One, Emmanuel, Just One, King of Kings, 
Lord of all, Messiah, Nazarene, the only begotten Son, the Prince of Peace, Quickening Spirit, Redeemer, Savior, Truth, Unspeakable Gift, Very Present Help in Trouble, Word, Express Image of His Person, Yes and Amen, Zeal of the Lord of Hosts. Let's give Jesus a hand. Woo! Right. Thank you. Thank you, kids, for your help. And I just want to encourage you guys to keep a copy of the names of Jesus, A to Z, in your Bible and say it out loud as a way of worshiping Jesus and a way to stir up the hope that is within you. Amen? Tommy. I didn't know you were going to do that. Aaron told us to rewrite our scripts after we went last night, so that was all new. Well, when I was a young man, one of the most challenging questions you could ask me if I was in home group was, brother, what's the Lord saying to you? And I think the reason that was so hard for me was not that God never said anything to me, but I, my understanding of that, of hearing God speak was basically, well, what have I read from the Bible? And so the other part of hearing God, I mean, there's lots of ways you can hear God, but being quiet before God, listening and waiting on God, that was really uncomfortable for me, and I was terrible at it. So I didn't do it. Well, here we are today, 40 years later, and I still got a lot of room to grow in that, but I am learning, and that's what I want you to take from it. However, wherever we are in this area, we're learning. We're, we just start, and you get better at it, and it gets more comfortable. So how do you hear God's voice? Here are a couple of ideas. But if, before I get into that, I, I was going to do this with the kids, so you don't have to stand up or anything, but I need your help with a knock-knock joke. You like knock-knock jokes? So you have to answer me. Knock-knock. Interrupting cow. Moo! Thank you. I like silly. All right, so how do you hear God? Put the quiet in quiet time. We've started since the first of the year trying to develop the habit of spending 10 minutes or more a day. 10 minutes is probably about right. Uh, just being quiet before God. And a good way to start a conversation with someone you don't know, or you do maybe, but is to ask thoughtful questions. So when I ease into this, I like to ask God a question. And then comes the being quiet part. Don't feel the need to fill the silence. Sometimes God just needs me to let him get a word in edgewise. Don't be an interrupting cow. Nobody likes that. 
said that I didn't even that didn't even apply. I didn't even know that apply. Because what you want to do is you want God, you want to hear from God. You know, I can talk all day. You want to hear from God. When God speaks to you, even if you're not sure you got it down exactly right, write it down. That's honoring the word of God. And you come back to it later. Otherwise, you risk losing it to your memory or to your doubts. Second thing, when you read the Bible, try to put yourself in the story. Uh, Proverbs 25.2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to seek out a matter. I believe that imagination and curiosity and even a goofy sense of humor are all part of the ways that we're made in the image of God. So if you read something in the Bible that you don't understand, ask questions about it. Some Bible questions are Google questions. And some questions are Holy Spirit questions. You know, I use my phone all the time when I read. I'll look something up. Maybe it's a word or an idea, and I might look that up. Sometimes it's a Holy Spirit question, and that's like, ask, seek, knock. I may not get that answer right away, but that's what, that's what pursuing God's about, I think. Some are short answer questions and some are essay questions. Here's one for you. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter gave the, sh the perfect short answer to that, right? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. But you realize that's also like an essay question? That's like a PhD question. Who do you say that I am? Maybe it's not, does Jesus get us, but do we get Jesus? Third, uh, try to pay attention when you're going through your day. This is, that sounds silly, but pay attention to what's going on around you and look for connections. Ask God to help you hear him better and to recognize what he's doing around you. You know, that's that thing Sean talks about, about God, what are you doing today and how can I participate in it? That's like uh, seeing God when you're talking to somebody or being sensitive to those promptings and noticing them when they happen, not 15 minutes later. Like, oh, I think I was supposed to say something to, to my neighbor. That is paying attention and it's like saying, oh, that's what Sean was talking about the other day. That's about all I got. I want you to welcome uh, Bob and Brenda Van Camp. Good morning, everyone. We're, as they introduced, Bob and Brenda Van Camp. Um, we lead two groups. Uh, one of them is a real-life group that we've been leading for over seven years, and we meet in a host home because they are homebound and um, aren't able to get out because the gentleman is disabled. And we've experienced a lot of life together through all that, and so they consider that their church so they can't because they can't get out. We also began another group about six months ago called Ignite the Fire. 
This group began, or began um, because of the Asbury movement. If you remember last year in February, there was a morning chapel service that turned into a multi-week um, service at Asbury University in Kentucky. This revival grew to tens of thousands of people that came from all over to experience God and want to be a part of this. Bob and I thought that was a really neat thing. We'd love to went to Kentucky, but we couldn't. Um, but that's kind of where our conversation ended was it would be neat for that to happen here in Liberty. But now I do a Bible study uh, via text and all with a friend who lives in Florida. And her and I started talking about this revival and what it would be like to stay in the presence of the Lord all day long, every day as we go through work and in our family life. So we decided to challenge each other to do that for a day in our jobs. And we should do that every day. But if we're honest with ourselves, do we always keep God in the forefront? Um, it was amazing what we both discovered. Our hearts softened toward a lot of things. Our demeanors toward our jobs changed. And for me personally, I was able to have some God conversations um, with patients all day long in the office. That was really neat for me to be able to experience that. And so I came home and I shared that with Bob. Again, we started discussing how a revival needs to happen here, how neat that would be. So God was saying then, though, we kept saying, asking each other, why isn't anyone starting it? Never think that someone else might be able to do it because God just may call you. So just be careful. As we were talking, I felt the Lord say, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting for someone else to start it? You can start it right here in your own home. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, and now Israel, <clears throat> what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so with that, Bob and I agreed the Lord was pressing us to start this group where we would gather, spend time together in the presence of the Lord, worshiping and praying together to crawl closer to the Lord, to have um, encounter with him. So out of that, that's where Ignite the Fire began. We're nothing really special, just ordinary people trying to be obedient to what God is asking and doing. God, so, God wants a relationship with us, but we find ourselves too busy. A lot of stuff getting in the way. We're self-centered, sometimes backslidden because we don't study enough with other people. <laughs> but when we first become Christians, we're saved, we were on fire, and we want to do a lot of things for God and stuff, and then other things creep in. We go to church. We help out in greeting. We help with kids, ministry, with harvesters, being part of the worship team even, being a mission team. But what would it be like to walk side by side with God 24-7? I asked myself, what are the characteristics of a Christian life? And I wrote down these eight things. Intimate fellowship with God. Joy in God's presence. A sense of peace. A holy life. A spirit-filled life. Recognizing God's voice. Filled with the fruit of the Spirit and experiencing God's power. 
And after looking at all those, I felt I was really lacking in all those areas. There's a song by Zach Williams called The Heart of God. I've been listening to it quite a bit. And the middle part of it is real touching. It was to me. It goes, he's not sitting there shaking his head, writing you off, leaving you lost. He's not sitting there shaking his head, wishing he never went to the cross. He's not sitting there shaking his head, writing you off, leaving you lost. He's not sitting there shaking his head. He went to that cross. He went to that cross because he loves us so much. There's only love in the heart of God. And maybe we do need to be revived, not so much as a big revival, but just revive ourselves to get that relationship, that love relationship with God. So ignite the fire. We meet on the second Friday of every month. Next one is March 8th. You're more than welcome. Bring the kids. But now we're going to turn it over to an outstanding, loving couple, Kevin. And Darren. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it right one of these times. Thanks, Bob. Good morning, church. I'm Kevin. This is my wife, Dara. So we're going to start off with a little quiz for all of you. So who can tell us uh, which city is nicknamed the city of brotherly love? Philadelphia. Well done. So I asked that because Philadelphia gets its name uh, from a Greek word called philia, which is a type of love. And that's that's what God has been uh, speaking to us about. So what what is philia? Well, the Bible references either directly or indirectly four types of love. The first is eros. So that's the romantic type of love that you might uh, have for like your husband or a beautiful wife that you might have. I just got brownie points. <laughs> Uh, the next one is storge love. So this is kind of the family love. So the love you might have for a child or a parent and that type of love. Agape, Bob just talked about a little bit. This is the sacrificial, immeasurable love that God has for us as his children. And then finally, uh, philia. So philia is the brotherly love that unites believers. It, it's the basis for deep, lasting connections that we share with our closest friends these are the friends uh, we need to help us grow in life and our faith. So most of you could probably think about the people in your life and put them in one of these four categories. But what God has shown us is he can put people in our lives or your lives that can actually move into different uh, type of these, uh, move from one category to, uh, to a different type. And Dara's going to give an example of that. Yeah, so um, I'll kind of tie our real life group in with this because um, they were a part of an adoption with a, a foreign exchange student that we had last year. Um, she had come over from Germany and we had no intention or plans of hosting an exchange. We had never even had the conversation, but it just kind of 
came in front of us and we prayed about it and felt like God was telling us to do that. Um, I'm going to tie into hearing God's voice. And the big part of hearing God's voice is acting in obedience. Because if you don't obey, you're not going to go a step further. You have to obey what he's telling you. So this was a big step and we did it. And she came over and before she came, I just prayed, God, um, this is an opportunity for you. This is, I want to see her life changed while she's here. I want her to see you in us. I want her to experience our church, our church family and the love that they have and our real life group and the acceptance that they have. Um, I just wanted her to experience everything about God. And my main prayer was let her life change while she's here and let her take it back with her to Germany. And I'm like on cloud nine this morning because last night they didn't get to hear this because we got a message this morning from her saying she's been looking for a church in Germany and it's hard to find one like what we're blessed with here in Germany. She finally found one about a month ago. She went to youth group and this morning on our phones, it said, you guys, I'm so excited. I invited a girl from school to go to church with me and she accepted the Lord. So... I am so grateful to God. I've just, I've been praising him all morning and I'm like, oh, just keep it going. Her parents don't believe in God and we're believing for salvation on that side. But I could go on and on. I could go on and on and tell what God did in her life. Um, but like I said last night, if you want to hear more, let's go to coffee. I'll just brag about her and tell you all about it. But um, that has kind of turned us like We've grown a storge love with her, which is the family kind, like a daughter, a parent, because she calls us mom and dad. So we're just kind of doing our best to help guide her, and, and she's doing awesome. It's all God's glory, though. It all goes to him, and we're so grateful. Yeah, for sure. In fact, she's watching online. I am. Love you. Everybody say hi. Hi. <laughs> all right, so James 13, uh, 34 through 35. So Jesus is uh, leaving his disciples for the first time and ascending to heaven. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's kind of the question God's been putting on our hearts. Yeah, we love other people. We know that. But, but are we showing that love uh, in a way that others know that we are Christians and disciples of God? And kind of one way we do that is through our real life group. So Dara's going to talk just a little bit about the real life group. Yeah, we love, love, love our real life group. And um, we've always been involved in, even outside of a journey, um, in real life groups. There are small groups at other churches. But um, if you're not in one, if you're feeling anxious, if you're oh, I don't want them to ask me a question. I'm too afraid to answer it. I don't know these people. But that was the first step that we had to take. And we have never looked back. Um, our group that we have right now is like our family. We're a small family. We support each other. We're there for each other. We do life together in every aspect. Um, we have gone camping together. We've gone bowling together. We serve together. We have like, meals together. We love to eat together. Yes, we love to eat together. And just we encourage each other. And 
pray for each other. The women of our group, we have a um, group text and we use it all the time. Um, just somebody's needing prayer. They'll send it out. Hey, girls, I'm having a struggle or so-and-so's, um, somebody in their family's having issues. We're there for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lift you up. We got your back. Or we encourage each other through it. So it's it's just, I encourage you, like, if you're not in a group, get involved. Because you become like a family. And it's so amazing. You grow in your faith together. Yeah, for sure. So what are some other ways that we can kind of show love to others? Um, you know, some things I've been working on is really just uh, making time to check in with people. I had a, you know, God put someone on my mind the other day. It would have been easy to dismiss that, but I text them and just just kind of letting them know, checking in, you love them and, and seeing how they're doing. Um, really working on my listening. I was talking to a friend the other day. He was having some relational issues. And at the end of it, he said, it's just good to have someone to talk to. So really opening yourself up uh, to be a good listener. Um, don't make formalities a formality. And I struggle with this. And what I mean is, you know, very often when we greet people, we, we're like, how are you? Or how's your day? And we're just saying that in a formality type way. But really be sincere about that. Engage. Be open to a conversation um, with that. Is your demeanor inviting to others? You know, I was in a room the other day with about 20 or 30 other believers. We were just sitting around waiting, and I look around the room, and it, she's on to me about this one all the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a couple of people talking here and there, but I would say over half the room was on their phones. You know, it's just not a very inviting way for someone to come up to you and maybe start a conversation. Um, and then finally, just your words and actions. You know, and it might sound easy, but I think, especially for guys, that's very difficult. It's like the, the words I love you are reserved for this, the romantic love or the family love. And, you know, it, some people struggle with that. I know, you know, in our real life group, um, you know, when people are leaving for the evening, we'll say goodbye. And often, um, often, you know, we'll say, we love you guys. Or there's a guy in a group that his response every time is, Yep. <laughs> but we know he loves us. That's but his way of saying it. Us and, and I see him in this room right now. So. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, just, you know, I guess as we close, just think about that. Are you showing love in a way that you represent Christ as disciples? And who knows, if we can get enough people to show this love, maybe we can make Liberty, Missouri, the town of brotherly love. So... All right, last but not least, Mike and Colleen, give a big welcome. Well, hey, we are Mike and Colleen O'Toole, and uh, what we're going to do uh, this morning is just share a testimony, personal testimony of how God has formed us through community, how he's provided for community, and the blessings through community. Um, now, we've, over the years, have experienced hundreds of examples of both beautiful stories and heartbreaking stories, um, and how God has worked through community. Um, but a lot of those stories are for other people to tell. What we want to do is share three recent, well, three happenings, two of them recent, um, and just how uh, God has worked through our testimony. Now, we know some of you guys, and a lot of us, we've never met before, so we thought it'd be best to start with a little bit of history. 
All right. So our family of four moved here to Kansas City a little over a decade ago. We moved to the Midwest from the desert. And when I say that, I mean it both figuratively and literally. We moved here from Arizona after a very hard season that lasted a long time. And um, we arrived here really knowing only family. And very shortly after we moved here, the Lord called us to something that we had previously said uh, a very polite but adamant no thank you to, which was homeschooling. So we found ourselves in a brand new city, um, not really having any built-in community, and we were in a season and a set of circumstances when honestly, you guys, it would have been very easy and much more comfortable to just stay isolated. But we knew that community was going to be vital. We just had no idea where it was going to come from. Uh, Mike and I had already visited a number of churches, and we had just not yet found the place that the Lord had for us. Um, but I do still remember that day when we finally said yes to homeschooling. It was in the middle of the summer, and um, we had learned that that very evening there was a gathering at a local park with a homeschool group. We felt like the Lord was telling us to go to it. So I was excited. We were getting ready to go. I thought, okay, we're going to meet like-minded families. Our kids are going to make friends. This is going to be wonderful. We arrived and quickly realized that that was not the case. Yeah, there's a lot of denim jumpers. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, but, not there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, I've got one, but... We just knew kind of right away that it was not a right fit. And honestly, we felt like outsiders. I mean, we can laugh about it now, but at the time, it made me waver a little bit, even in this new decision that we had just made. Except there was one family there who we enjoyed talking with. They were there also visiting no that denim. evening. No denim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was the Peterson family who many of you guys know really well. Um, and I, after talking with them for a little while, we asked for connection. We asked if maybe we could swap numbers and maybe get together again. And Rolanda was very gracious. And I think within like two days had invited us to go out and meet up with her at a park with another family. And that other family who was there was the Phillips family. Lydia and her then small children were there. Um, and she told us that the, at their church, they would be having VBS for the very first time that summer and invited us to come. And we said yes. Um, and I still remember that first day picking Connor up from VBS. Little six-year-old Connor came bounding out with a huge grin on his face. And he told us, completely unprompted, what a great time he had had at VBS. And he asked whether our family could keep coming to Journey Church. And we have been here ever since. Yeah. What a blessing that has been. Um, I think that telling that story in hindsight, it's very easy to see the Lord's hand of provision on all of that. But you guys, as we walked that out, it felt very much like just kind of awkwardly stumbling forward, saying yes, one step at a time to what we felt like the Lord was calling us to do. And the other thing that stands out to me as I look back on that is just what a remarkable difference those small invitations made. Those small invitations to meet up at the park, to come out to VBS, 
the people who extended us those invitations, both of whom are in the room today, had no idea what an impact that would make. Yeah, and fast forward almost a decade, well, more than a decade later, and uh, we're, we have six children, no, four children. Family of six. Family of six. There's only four of them, promise. <laughs> it's only four. But uh, we're still homeschooling, right? And God has just provided through and for community in, in marvelous ways. And about three years ago, we got the opportunity to lead a real life group, an already formed real life group. And this real life group was led by Megan and Joseph Heron. And if you guys know Megan and Joseph, it's a little intimidating. I mean, those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, and I mean, literally, Joseph's feet are like <laughs> size 15. Is that right? And then the whole thing, like, why are you giving me these shoes? I don't even fit in them. Anyway, but we got a chance to lead a real life group and uh, God has just provided but when we took that over, obviously, you know, you feel a little inadequate, different things, but we knew that God was telling us to be obedient, just like he was asking Joseph and Megan to be, and to listen and be sensitive to his direction in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Along the way, the Lord has definitely confirmed just how much community is an ongoing two-way street mm -hmm. of both joy and hardship of giving and receiving as we do life together. Um, and I'll tell you, last fall, we definitely saw the Lord move mightily through community as we walked out a health crisis um, alongside some family in Arizona. So in a matter of just days, it became clear to us that these issues were mounting and that we would need to go out there to walk alongside our family in this. Um, and really, there were more questions than answers. And we didn't really know how to prepare. The one thing we knew to do to prepare was to pray. And so that's what we did. We prayed about how we would get there. We prayed about who would come with us. Um, and ultimately the decision was made that we would make the 19 hour drive out to Arizona, Mike and I would, along with our two youngest children. Um, and that our two teenage boys would stay here in Kansas City alone. <laughs> And if you guys think that sounds totally insane, I kind of agree with you even saying it out loud right now. Um, in fact, it kind of makes my heart race, honestly, because it was just such an intense time. There was so much to figure out. The only thing I can say is that we knew that that's what the Lord had showed us to do, and we trusted him. We knew there were so many loose ends, both in Arizona waiting for us that we couldn't even anticipate, and back here in Kansas City. But we just trusted the Lord. And oh my gosh, how he provided. Um, if we had more time here, I could detail for you many of the ways that he provided. You guys can probably guess lots of them. Meals. Um, somehow, literally every single day that we were out of town, someone showed up at our house with food for our children. Yeah. <laughs> um, prayers, rides, even a place to stay when our boys accidentally locked themselves out of our house the second night that we were out of town. No, honey. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't mention that. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the most interesting things about community is that it's impossible to quantify it. Um, what do I mean when I say that? I just can't help but think even for all those tangible and even intangible spiritual supports that the Lord provided through community, 
Had we not been surrounded by this group of people who were unified with us in faith and willing to continue to encourage us in the truth, how much different would all of that have looked as we walked it out? And, you know, it wasn't just a few weeks after that that we received a call in the middle of the night that my brother had tragically passed away. And our small group had been praying for my brother for years, coming alongside of us. And, and when that happened, uh, when he passed away, that bitter moment was just, um, it was shared and the burden was shared. And, you know, it's not, it's not just about the needs, right? It's about being there for somebody and giving and not just receiving. And a, a verse that's recently come up in our real life community, Proverbs 14.10, the message translation reads like this, he who shuns the bitter moments with friends will be an outsider at their celebrations. And we discussed as a group how much sweeter celebrations are together because we have also walked through the bitter moments together. Being a part of a community truly has been about giving and receiving, loving, serving, and investing in one another, even if you feel inadequate, right? Or possibly like an outsider, we encourage you uh, to continue to be sensitive and obedient to the Lord's direction. Stepping into community is such an opportunity to deepen your relationship with the Lord and experience His rich blessings and also celebrate when He shows up. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I hope you all can see that uh, we have quality people leading quality groups here at Journey Church. And if you're not involved in some type of group, some type of community, something that's, here's, let me just put it this way, something that's going on beyond the weekend service, I really want to encourage you to do that. Kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, what you saw today was just kind of a sample of leaders of groups. It's just like that across the board. Everybody that's leading a group, whether it be a real life group or a connect group, a shared interest group, uh, we just have a really rich, deep community of people. So if you don't feel connected, uh, if you don't feel like you're making a lot of headway in building relationships and friendships here at Journey, I really want to encourage you to get involved. And um, we're going to have uh, a little bit more um, in the coming weeks as far as opportunities for you to do that and, and making that a little bit easier for you. But for now, you can get on journeykc.com slash groups and you can see all of our groups right there. And uh, also you can see how to get plugged in to those groups. I wanna encourage you to do that. But let's go ahead and stand up and I'd like to pray uh, before we do one more song to close out. Lord, we just want to thank you for what you're doing here. <clears throat> we recognize, God, that it's your will and your purpose uh, for us to be in community, for us to be connected, for us to be locking arms with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, that's your purpose. And God, we see you doing that here. We, we, uh, we are grateful for it. 
And God, we want to be a part of it. So we speak a blessing over all of these groups right now. The ones that were represented here uh, today by these five leaders, couples, but also all the other groups that are going on. Study groups, interest groups, uh, real life groups, Lord God. Let your blessing be on them, Lord God. And God, we pray that you get the glory. You get the honor. And you get the praise for all of this. So we just give you praise right now in Jesus' name.